This is a shock podcast. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's begging Karami Kamil to never support Liverpool. Never! Karam, uh, since all the teams you support lose, uh, why not support Man City instead? <laughs> <laughs> also in the house of pod today, we have Nicholas John. Hello, hello. He supports this podcast on his shoulders. I am Faisal Merican. I'm just the idiot who's here to make stupid comments. Now, guys, let's start with Arsenal, who've dropped out of the Premier League's top four. The Gunners will be in 3-0 away at Crystal Palace. Uh, they were two goals down just after just 24 minutes. And uh, Wilfried, knowing me, knowing you, Zaha, I've done that joke already. I'm so sorry. Uh, Wilfried Zaha uh, sealed it to make it 3-0 for Palace with a second-half penalty. Uh, Arsenal was second-best this morning. No arguments about that. Uh, Coach Mikel Arteta admitted to as such, uh, he said they were inconsistent and uh, gave the ball away far too many times. Yes, and for Arsenal to lose this match at this critical moment, crucial moment of the season, I don't... It's kind of typical Arsenal, right? Although I have sung their praises uh, before this, uh, after after their slow start, now they are solidly, I think, back in the top four contention. But this is what Arsenal was like for the past 10, 15 years, if I'm not mistaken. So it's bad for Arteta, but the good thing for them is that they still have that game in hand, right? So mm-hmm. uh, they might, they can still overtake Tottenham uh, for the fourth spot. But if they would have at least, if they would have draw, gotten a draw uh, this morning, they would have at least at least had a had a one point lead over Tottenham and they'll they have much more room for error. But this is why I don't really go all in on Arsenal. This is <laughs> this kind of situation this is why I just don't. Now, uh, as Kara mentioned, Arsenal are fifth in the standings. Uh, behind Tottenham, they took fourth place with a 5-1 win over Newcastle. And also, as Kara mentioned, uh, the silver lining is that uh, Arsenal have a game in hand over Spurs. Uh, Nick, with all of this right, do you still think that they can clinch uh, the all-important Champions League qualification? Um, yes, they do have that game in hand. But I think that the defeat to Palace is more damaging to Arsenal's morale and their mental approach than it does to their position in the table because just a few games ago they were the favourites to finish in fourth and now they are outside the top four albeit on goal difference but they've, they've gone from being the front runners to being the pursuers and even though we know that Arsenal have the quality you have to wonder what kind of damage this has done to them uh, mentally you know so, so the key here is can Mikel Arteta rally the troops get over this defeat and pick themselves up for the next game because Arsenal and Tottenham have reached the stage of this competition now where one more slip up can be the difference between Champions League football or the Europa League so both teams they've got you know quality here and there but it's now about whether they can keep 
their head in the game. Well, Arsenal's top four bid uh, definitely has become tougher as uh, Thomas Partey limped off with an injury. And uh, even before the game, they lost Kieran Tierney with a knee problem. And um, there are some reports that he could be out for the remainder of the season. So, ouch, Gunners fans. In another shocking result, Chelsea were hammered 4-1 at home by Brentford. Antonio Rudiger put Chelsea ahead, but they had this 10-minute spell where they conceded three goals, including one from Christian Eriksen. Um, they let in another in the dying minutes. All this begs the question, what the f*** is going on at Chelsea? <laughs> Faisal, puasa, eh? jaga, jaga. <laughs> it bleeping, it doesn't count. Eh? <laughs> Yeah, this was an utter humiliation for Chelsea, you know, to lose by this score line at home to Brentford. Uh, but credit also to Brentford uh, for, for put, putting on a brilliant display and for taking the chances that came their way. And like you mentioned, what a fairy tale return it was for Christian Eriksen, you know, his first club goal since making his comeback from his cardiac arrest at Euro 2020. But for Chelsea, this was an uncharacteristically bad performance. It's almost as if every single one of their players simply turned off and they completely deserved the thrashing that they got. I think that Chelsea are caught in this kind of purgatory, you know, neither here nor there in the EPL. They're too far behind to be involved in the title race. But at the same time, they have a comfortable enough lead that they are unlikely to drop out of the top four. So sometimes when you have this situation where there's nothing to chase, no one chasing you, clubs can occasionally slip up like this, you know, and, and take their eye off the ball. So for the Blues' sake, I'm hoping that this is just a blip because, like we mentioned, Arsenal and Spurs are slowly creeping into the top four. And also Chelsea have got their Champions League quarterfinal against Real Madrid coming up. And if they're going to repeat this Brentford performance against the likes of uh, Karim Benzema and co., Chelsea could be gone as even before the second leg. It's interesting that you mentioned the Real Madrid game, right? Do you think they had maybe one eye on that match? Oh, I think so. I think so, Faisal. But I think back to the Brentford match, I think it was just a 10-minute meltdown of for Chelsea, I guess. So it was a great goal from Rudiger to, to put Chelsea ahead. But the meltdown, I, I hope Nick is right. It's just a blip. But Chelsea has not been picking up results yet. I mean, they haven't been collecting wins as much as they wanted to to. To, to be, right? So, they're not in a great spot at the moment. Of course, they are third, but remember, they were once the leaders earlier this season. So, things might not be looking good for Chelsea, <laughs> including this their financial situation uh, currently. And uh, back to you, Faisal, when you said that they maybe they have an eye on the Real Madrid match, uh, me, it's 50-50, right? Because mm-hmm. pre- I'm pretty sure they are thinking about the Real Madrid match, but... If you, it's the Premier League, it's the EPL. So shocking results usually happen week in, week out. So if they did uh, turn a blind eye on this Brentford match, then it's their fault. Chelsea remain in third place, just five points uh, above Spurs. As for the title race, Man City had a 2-0 win over Burnley and Liverpool were 2-0 winners at home to Watford. Uh, Only one point separates City and Liverpool ahead of their showdown this weekend. More on that in the next episode. Uh, In other results, Manchester United drew 1-0 with Leicester. Leeds and Southampton drew 1-0 as well. West Ham, 2-1 win over Everton. Wolves defeated Aston Villa, also 2-1. Brighton and Norwich had a goalless draw. Now, 
guys, let's move on to the World Cup, shall we? Uh, the draw for the group stage was held at the weekend. And uh, one thing that everyone talks about ahead of the draw is the uh, group of death. Well, this time it's not so much as a group of death, more like a group of minor inconvenience. <laughs> it's like that annoying itch you have in your back. And no matter how hard you try to scratch it, you just can't reach it, you know? For me, the trickiest group has to be a Group E. Uh, we have uh, former champions Spain and Germany together with Japan and either New Zealand or Costa Rica. But let's face it, like, Spain and Germany, um, not in the best of form in their past few matches. However, some commentaries have said that actually England could find it hard to progress as well. Uh, they're in Group B with Iran, USA and either Scotland, Wales or Ukraine. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was reading an article that said that statistically at least, England's group is the toughest because apparently England, uh, England Iran, US and uh, either one of the qualifiers have the highest average FIFA ranking of any group. So statistically, this is apparently the toughest group according mm -hmm. to this article. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said earlier, I don't think there is an obvious group of death this time because they're all pretty evenly matched. Uh, for me, a group of death is one where you look at it and you've got three, maybe even four teams who all stand a fair chance of, of making it out, you know, that is a group of death, which we don't seem to have uh, this time around. But also, bear in mind that we're making all these assumptions based on current form and current reputation. So when the actual tournament comes about, it could be a completely different ball game. Uh, but as it stands now, I, I think they're, they're all pretty evenly matched. I, I agree with you with um, that group with Germany and Spain. That is one to keep an eye out. But for me also, the group, uh, Portugal's group, they are together with Uruguay there. So big names, Cristiano Ronaldo and Luis Suarez. Well, Ghana are also uh, potentially tricky opponents. So these are the two groups that I'll be keeping a close eye on just for potential slip-ups because the others, they look quite straightforward on paper at least. Uh, yeah, but I'd like to talk about the Spain-Germany group, Group E, because, okay, on paper, Spain and Germany are the favourites to move on to the next round, right? But I could, I think I remembered one time where Costa Rica were in the same group with England or, and was it Italy, if I'm not mistaken? And, of course, the other two teams were the favourite to, to advance to the next round, but Costa Rica beat all odds and won the group. And then I think they did they did, they did advance to the quarterfinal of that World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I still love an upset in the World Cup, but I don't know. Against Spain and Germany, it might be a tough ask this time round for Costa Rica. Also, um, the Argentina MotoGP happened at the weekend and it was a historic race for Aprilia. Alex Espargaro took uh, both pole position and the checkered flag. Uh, this is the first for Aprilia in the MotoGP era, so not bad. Uh, meanwhile, in tennis, Iga Schwantek, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, Iga Schwantek was officially crowned the women's world number one, replacing the retired Ash Barty. Uh, this comes after she won the Miami Open at the weekend, her sixth victory in seven women's singles finals. And considering that she still hasn't 
played on her favorite uh, clay courts. That is amazing. Um, it was also a memorable weekend in Miami for Carlos Alcaraz, with the teenager claiming his first ATP Masters title. Uh, with that, we've come to the end of another Portball Sportscast. Uh, but before we go, I just want to say that sometimes we try really hard, but we may not necessarily get the outcome that we're hoping for. Just remember, your happiness is not dependent on results. What matters is you tried your best. So keep on doing your best, you absolute legends. I'm Faisal Merikan. I'm Karami Kamil. And I'm Nicholas John. <laughs> 